morning. Could we turn on all the lights, please? I, uh, in my trifocals with the lights in your eyes, it, there we go, it's much better. And some of you are really pleasant to look at, so that, that helps. Um, <laughs> some of you. If I haven't met you, uh, my name's Bill, and uh, I serve as an elder here at River Rock Bible Church. I know some of you maybe are guests here for the first time, and you're really disappointed because you were looking forward to meeting Pastor Charlie. Well, I, I want to tell you where our pastor is at, uh, what's going on, and where we're going, and when he will return. First of all, I, uh, I'm just filling in, and uh, I, like you, woke up this morning and went, oh, great, it's Bill again, you know? Um, our pastor, Charlie, has been on sabbatical. Now, sabbatical is not a vacation, but sabbatical is a time of way in ministry after you've been doing it for many years where you have an opportunity to get a break, Right? And we as a group of elders felt like this was the right year for Pastor Charlie to go on sabbatical. And I'm pretty proud so far, and some of you please don't mess this up in the next 24 hours, but we've not hurt anybody severely, not damaged anything beyond repair, and everybody got home from Mexico alive. That's good for a church, right? We've got to celebrate the small things, right? So uh, Charlie's been away on sabbatical, and... uh, The bad news is I'm speaking uh, today uh, for the last time. The good news is Pastor Charlie will be back next Sunday, right? And uh, some of you kind of smiled, and we're excited about that, and I need you to tone that down just a little bit. That was a little offensive, and uh, it's too soon, right? Um, This past week, my wife and I uh, got away as well. We uh, took a time of vacation. Um, My wife and I are really just, I think, at the best time in our marriage, Um, We've been married 33 years. Uh, We knew each other two years before that. So we've been together for 35 years. And we had kids, and our kids grew up and left and have not returned and will not be allowed to return. They've gotten married, right? And now we have five grandkids. So after our kids grew up and left, we got a golden retriever. His name is Samson. He's an amazing, worthless dog. He doesn't protect you. He doesn't secure you. He just comes and kneels beside you or sits beside you so you will pet him. That's his only purpose in life. We have armed burglars come into our house. Samson will greet them at the door. I've literally had deputies come to my house in the middle of the night to have me sign arrest warrants. And uh, Samson will go to the guy with the gun and say, pet me, pet me, pet me. I'm going, this is stranger danger. Do not do that. So Jill and I are at that great time in our life. Um, and uh, we purchased an RV. We uh, like to get away. We like to get away together, and it's always been a dream of mine, and so we pick out different spots. Um, This last week, um, as I was preparing for today's conversation, today's message on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going through the fiery furnace, I thought, you know, God has a sense of humor. We went to Palo Duro Canyon up north of, uh, of uh, Canyon, Texas, and Amarillo. If you've never been there, it's gorgeous. It's the second largest canyon in the world. And uh, down in the canyon, uh, we had an RV site. And on um, the 4th of July, it got up to 107 degrees. And, uh, and, and I know some of you are going, yeah, but Judge, that's a dry heat. Let me just translate it into English. It, when you're at 107, it's hot. Whether you're wet or dry, it's just hot, right? And so Jill and I 
did what we uh, like to do. We went hiking that morning and got up on the north rim and took a really easy trail. You know, it's really tough getting up there when you're hiking out of a canyon, but coming down is really fun, right? So we had a wonderful time. We came home, and for lunch that day, I, I'm a master chef in uh, my own mind, and uh, no pun intended, and uh, we made hamburgers that seem right for the 4th of July, right? Then that night, we went to a production of an outdoor theater that's there in Canyon, and this production is in June, July, and August, and it's been going on the last 53 years, and uh, the title of the production is Texas. It's an outdoor musical that is wonderful. Has anybody ever seen that production before? Um, and, and I'm telling you, it, is, it starts at 8.30, it gets over about 11.30, and on the 4th of July, they finished up with the fireworks show. It's the first outdoor production I've ever been to that the production started, and it was 92 degrees in the shade. And uh, nothing like sweating watching Texas, right? So it was a really cool production. The finale was awesome. It's the best one I've ever been to there. They did their 4th of July fireworks, and it's on the back wall of the canyon, right? And the canyon caught on fire. I mean, it was cool. Where can you go in Texas and be 107 degrees hot? And Jill's going, is that real? No, baby, that's real. That's real fire. And you knew it was serious when the firemen were already there geared up to start climbing the mountain, right? So as we were there in the canyon, Texas, enjoying the great outdoors, and, uh, and by the way, it's the only place that I know of left in Texas, maybe you know of others, that you can go to and your cell phone doesn't work. And let me just say, that's healthy. Because we spend far more, far too much time doing this and far little time doing this, Right? Jill and I, Jill's very competitive, for those of you that don't know that. She likes to win at everything. And uh, we played Skip Bow, and she beat me. I mean, see, you, you find yourself and stuff like that because you have to spend time together. Sometimes I think God needs to take us to Canyon, Texas, to Palo Duro Canyon, where he and I and you and I can just have a conversation together. So I'm working on the message for Sunday, and I'm always asking the question, how would Charlie do this? How could I make the message better? And I'm sitting there just sweating <laughs> as I'm working on this, and I'm thinking, this is really a hot topic. I've had a hot experience this week. Now we're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into a fiery furnace. The best part of this message is for the last several weeks, we were in the book of Judges, right? And that was Charlie's idea. He did that on purpose to me to pick on me and made me do Judges, but now we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. So if you have your Bible today, open it up to Daniel chapter 3, or if you have your uh, Holy Bible on your iPhone, uh, open it to Daniel chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version today. And we're going to be talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the, me the message title is pretty simple. They would not bend, they would not bow, and they would not burn. Think about that just for a moment. I call them the boys. The boys would not bend, they would not bow, and they would not burn. We often think of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego doing something really profound, but I don't think it's as profound as it, it really is. They just were men, young men, who had a heart for God, who loved God, a passion for God, and they followed God. Now, they may have done some sketchy things here in this story that would fear you or I or scare us away, 
But you know what? They knew who they stood for, and they stood for him with pride and honor. They would not bend, they would not bow, and they would not burn. Daniel chapter 3, and I'm going to read the whole thing, all right? Because I've learned when you're not a preacher, if you read the whole thing, that fills up more time. And when John gives me the holy wink and the nod, you know, the, the holy nod, then it helps fill up the time. Plus, often preachers like to tell us a lot of things, and there's some really powerful stuff just written in God's Word. Maybe we say too much and we should just read more, but that's just a, an opinion. Some of these names I can't pronounce because I'm not Charlie, and if you can pronounce them, then you can preach next week, all right? King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold image. This image was nine feet, I'm sorry, 90 feet and nine feet wide. It's set up on the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. And then he, then he summoned the satraps, the perfects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the providential officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So all of the people showed up. That's the word I'm going to use when it lists all of them. All of the people showed up and all other providential officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, that would be somebody who spoke with a loud tone, and he said, and I quote, This is what you're commanded to do, O people and nations, O men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zit, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing fire. Now, that's a pretty good invitation to do something right, isn't it? Right? Isn't that like saying to your kids, now listen, if you'll do this, everything's going to work out well for you. And if you don't do this, I will take away your iPhone. I will take away your friends. I will take away your bicycle. I will take away your television. I will take away your life. I mean, they're trying to, King's trying to promote something good here. Nebuchadnezzar, he's trying to promote idol worship, which is really important to him. He went to great expense and great effort to build an idol, and he just wanted to make sure that everybody else worshipped the way that he worshipped. Verse 7, Therefore, as soon as they had heard the sound of all of these instruments, all of the people and all the nations of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And at the same time, astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a, de a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of these instruments, when they hear it, they must fall down and worship the gold image, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing fire. Well, there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king." Don't we all hate snitches? Really? King Nebuchadnezzar set up the rules, and some guys wanted to get back at the Jewish boys from Babylon, and so they go and tattle. By the way, I don't like a tattletale, do you? You know, it's funny when I'm in court, um, and I'm trying to be a judge and be respectful and listen to all sides. When somebody puts their hand on their hip and says, well, judge, let me tell you what they said. Judge, let me tell you what they said. I'm going, oh my gosh, is this like third grade playground stuff? But me, being a very very kind, judicial, and respectful judge, I look with them with a very stoic face. 
And I say thank you so much for your input. Now, let's move on. All right. I don't know why I thought of that. And, verse 11, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing fire. But there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king, they, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Verse 15. Now, when you have heard the sound of the, the horn, the flute, and all of the instruments, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God would be able to rescue you from my hand? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied with all due respect. And, and guys, I'm telling you, they said this in a very kind and respectful way. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves to you because of this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. And I love verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship your image of gold that you have set up. Pretty bold, eh? 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up the three boys and to throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men, wearing robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothings, were bound and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And the king's command was so urgent and the fire was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into a blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet with amazement, and he asked his advisors, Weren't there three men who were tied up and thrown into the fiery furnace? And they replied, Certainly, O king. Well, he said, Look, I see a fourth man walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. But if I've got to be in a fire, walking in that fire with the Son of God, ain't a bad partner to have hiking with you. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, the perfects, the governors, the royal advisors crowned around, crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Not a hair on their head was even singed. Their robes were not scorched, nor was there even the smell of smoke upon them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said these words, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore I decree 
that the people of any nation or language who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. The title of this morning's message is this, They would not bend, they would not bow, and they would not burn. I've written down some simple truths, and I, they're, they're in the program, and I'd like to add just a few thoughts to it, but I think the message is pretty clear all by itself, isn't it? The first truth that I wrote down is this, the king, the anger that he had toward the Hebrew young men. The source of the king's anger is this, the king was furious at the refusal of the Jewish men to bow down to his image. The king was furious. Have, have you, or can you think of the last time that you dealt with someone that was just furious? Right? And I'm not talking about your mom this morning before you came to church. I see some of the smiles on the faces. I'm not talking about your husband this morning before you came to church or perhaps the fight that you had in the car. Those are normal confrontations in life that are blessings that make us all better, right? I'm talking about when's the last time you've encountered somebody that was furious, right? You, you, know, you know when I mean furious, right? Somebody who's gone all unhinged, right? And I, I have to think for the king, the reason he was so furious is because he created an idol that he thought everybody should bow down and worship. And by the way, when you get to the point in your life that you think you're so important that you should create idols for others to bow down and worship, you may think yourself more important than you ought to. And by the way, isn't it one of those Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt create no graven images other than me. Isn't that a risky place to go and a risky place to be? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebi was furious. The second truth was the surprise of his anger. He called them before him and he asked, Hey guys, is it really true that I issued an edict and you would not follow my edict? I mean, he's a king who's so cocky, so confident, and so arrogant that he thought that he set the rules. He thought, surely somebody's deceived me and not told me the truth. Is it really true that you guys did not bow down and worship me? That's almost something like, let me give you a hypothetical example. That's almost something like you're telling your kids, hey, when you're old enough to drive, you can drive with mom or dad, but you should never take the car, right, without my permission or consent. And then that one night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, the Williamson County Sheriff's deputies wake you up and say, we have your daughter. They knock on the door, your heart sinks, they have your daughter. And what happened was in the middle of the night, she snuck out of the house, got in the car, she was out driving on the road, went over across the lane, and the reason why they pulled her over on the traffic stop is because she's not a driver and she didn't know that you had to turn the lights on to automatic to make them work, Right? And so she's brought back to mom and dad. She snuck out of the house in the middle of the night. And can't you see the story? Can't you see the story as a dad? Like, wait a minute, haven't we covered this ground before? You know that this is like one of those unpardonable sins. Like you really, you knew the rules of the house, but you went ahead and did that anyway. Right? And for those of you that are here that are parents of teenagers, how many of you have at least one teenager in your home? 
How many of you have two or three teenagers on the way? Right? That means if you have little people, they will eventually grow up and be teenagers. Let me ask that question again. How many of you have two or three, one, two or three teenagers on the way? Raise your hand. I want you to know that it will be bad. (laughs) I do. I want you to know that it will be a growth opportunity for you and a growth opportunity for them. But it's just going to be bad. And Sam, I want you to know that I, I love you and respect you, but Sam's got three boys. The Bushes have how many boys? Six now? Four? Three. They have three boys. And I just want you to know that every child becomes a teenager and there's suddenly that point in their life where you're thinking, what brain cell are you using? Some of you think I'm talking about your husband, don't you? Right? But you're thinking about your teenagers. What brain cell are you using? Where does that even seem smart? King Nebuchadnezzar was in that way because he loved and trusted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he set them over the affairs of, in the providence of Babylon. He was just angry because he thought their decision defied common sense. And let me tell you about the seriousness of King Nebuchadnezzar's anger. He was so seriously angry with the guys that he said to his guys, heat up that fire seven times normal. We are going to annihilate these people for not following my decree. So Jill and I, we were hiking the other day in Paladuro Canyon, and and, uh, it was really nice. Um, Like in the morning, it would be maybe 68 degrees. And if you could walk the shadow side of the canyon, even though you're climbing steep elevations and you're, you know, trying to breathe, you know, it was it was really nice, right? But when we got up toward the rim of the canyon and the sun finally hit us, you realized it ain't 68 degrees no more. It's hot. And so we're up there, and in my mind, you know, I've got a bit of a twisted mind. I'm thinking, man, what if it were seven times this hot? <laughs> I'd be in so much trouble with my wife. That's what I thought. But where's the hottest place you've ever been? And can you imagine it being heated seven times that, right? Can you imagine that? I mean, King Nebi was furious. And what King Nebuchadnezzar really was trying to do was to make a point of these three men who would not follow his God. King Nebuchadnezzar was really saying to the rest of the world, Hey, if you defy my decree, I will destroy you. And you know what's interesting about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was their response. Their response was, hey, God's on our side. And even if God is not on our side, he is still God and you are not. And you can chunk us in the fire. And King Nebuchadnezzar did. So the first truth that I put down was that the anger toward the Hebrew young men was strong. The second truth is this, the answer of the Hebrew young men. I love how the guys answered him, how the boys answered him. Look at what they did not do. This was profound to me. Have you ever thought about, you know, we think about what we do right, but do you ever think about what we don't do? Because we could get things so wrong sometimes, right? So let me just illustrate this. What the boys did not do, number one, is they were not doubtful. There was no doubt in their life who they loved, who they lived for, and who they served. No doubt. As for me and my house, I serve the Lord. No doubt. What the guys didn't do is they didn't have any doubt. 
The second thing they didn't have is that they weren't resentful. They weren't resentful and they weren't mean-spirited. By the way, sometimes I think when we try to make our point with injustice or things that are wrong or people who defile our God, I think we can become resentful, bitter, and mean-spirited in trying to communicate that message. And I don't think God needs our help. Does he? The boys were respectful. They were not resentful. The third thing I wrote down about what they did not do is they were not fearful. Right? They were not fearful. Have you ever walked into a situation and you just knew it was going to be bad before you got there? Right? Perhaps a date. And you accepted or agreed to go on that date, and then you started doing some internet research on the person you're going out with, and you went, wow, what a thug. How did I get into this mess? Right? You know, you're going into something, and it's just a bad situation. Or how about in a work environment, right? A job that you've taken, right? Have you ever got into something that you know, wow, this is going to go south really quick? Anybody else think that way, or is it just me? Thank you. There's a few of us. Raise your hands. Be big people. We're in big church. Thank you. (laughs) We're in big church. (laughs) They weren't fearful. The guys understood that what they were getting into was serious. But what's amazing to me is they weren't fearful. What they were is they feared offending the Lord more than offending the king. Sometimes I think in our nation... We're more fearful of offending the leadership than we are with our actions and how they would offend God. And I can I make a political statement here? I'm a politician, so can I say this? And leadership always changes. And there are national leaders and local leaders that are good, and sometimes they're not. But God never changes. And we can respect our leaders, we can appreciate our leaders, and we should pray for our elected officials. But they are not God. For there is only one living, holy God. And let me tell you a secret. I'm a judge, and I wear a robe. But when you and I go to heaven together, we're going to be standing beside each other, kneeling before a holy, living, breathing God. And for those that live on this side called earth, you better learn that you're either going to bow now, or you're going to bow later because there will be some day that you'll stand before God and you will bow before him. Sometimes leaders think they're far more significant than they really are because they're not God. So that was my political statement. All right. So look at what they did do. I want you to note their trust. They note their trust. They had confidence in the Lord. And they had confidence in one another. I'm going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It's a good verse about confidence. And most of you know this, but I just want to remind you of it. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask for or imagine, according to his power within us. Note the trust of the guys. The guys had complete trust in the Lord, and that he would take care of them. Can I ask you, in the crisis that you're walking through, or the fiery furnace that you're in, do you have complete trust in the Lord? 
And by the way, complete trust in the Lord doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. But if you have complete trust in the Lord, it does mean that he's always going to get what he wants. And why is it that we think sometimes as Christians that we're immune from going through the fiery furnace? Do we think that because we know God, love God, and serve God, we shouldn't have to go through that? I submit to you that it's the ones who know, love God, serve God, and and live for God who go through more fiery furnaces than others. So note the trust of the boys. And note their testimony. Man, I just love this part. These young men had a testimony of faith. Like, hey, we, we love serving you, King, but we know who God is, and He is God and you are not, and, and we're going to go through this fire, and He'll be there with us, and if we don't come out alive, it's okay, because He's still going to be God. Note their testimony. The last part I put down under the second truth was note their tenacity. Man, I love people with tenacity. Tenacity is a fancy word that we say today, but in the olden days, we used to watch John Wayne, and you know what we called it back in those days? Grit. Ain't it? Don't you like? I'm Texan. Anybody here not from Texas? Anybody new to Texas? New? Welcome to America. We're glad you guys are here. (laughs) You got to note the tenacity of these guys. Man, they had grit, and they didn't have grit for personal gain. They They had grit for who they were, who they stood for, and what they believed in. And then finally, I want to talk about the achievement of these young men. What did these young men accomplish? Number one, they revealed that God keeps His promises. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 43. And and we didn't put it as a memory verse this week, but I think this may be the memory verse for some of you if you're walking through a fire. The scripture says this, the Lord says that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. It's a good verse, isn't it? The second to the last truth here is that the boys revealed that God maintained his presence with them. And we know that's true because when they were in the fire, there was a fourth one that was in there with them. By the way, do you know who that was, that fourth person that was in there with them? Anybody know? It was Jesus, right? And what's interesting is they revealed that they were not alone. I really debated about sharing the story because perhaps at times it's not always wise to share where you're at personally, right? Back in March, I was involved in a political race. I serve as an elected judge here, and I ran for a different judicial uh, position in a primary race. And I'm uh, 54 years old, and I think it's one of the most difficult things I've ever done. And for me, it was difficult because I made a commitment from the beginning 
that I would never say anything disparaging about my opponent because I just didn't feel like it would honor God, right? And that was a choice that I made. There were a lot of days that I regretted making that choice. There were. I mean, there were things that were said about me that, you know, were just not truthful. And that's just the side of politics that's just so unfortunate, right? And I have to tell you that there were days that I felt all alone. I had a lot of folks working on my campaign. I had friends helping me. I had friends blistering people on social media that I didn't even know could make up so many make-believe accounts to do stuff like that. Jill and I, my wife and I, literally spent every penny we had and more because I knew what I was doing what I was called to do. Where we spent about $90,000 in the campaign, our opponents spent about $180,000. And it's the loneliest I've ever been in my life. There's nothing worse than being a public figure and being alone, right? I remember a man at church approached me and he said, Judge, did I do something to offend you? He said, because you haven't been the same for the last couple of months. And I just want to know, is there something that I've done to offend you? And what he didn't know was that I felt all alone. And I was just struggling to keep my head up and not thrive, but just survive. You know? And then a friend of mine, a judge that I really love, um, sent me a link to a song. And she said, I know where you are, and the only one that is there is Jill and the Lord. And it was a link to a song by a recording artist, Christian recording artist by the name of Carrie Job. And the title to the song is, I Am Not Alone. And I put that song on my phone. And do you know if you put it in your playlist, maybe that's not the right word, but if you put it in there, it prioritizes the songs that you've listened to the most. And I looked on Friday as I was preparing, uh, or Thursday as I was preparing the end of this message, and that song during the election time, I listened to 1,718 times. You can be very popular, you can be very important, and you can even think that you're famous. But there are times in your life that you can be in the middle of a million people and still feel all alone. And I just want to say this to you through this story. Maybe you're walking through a fiery furnace now. Maybe it's because of your health. Maybe it's because of where you are mentally or emotionally. Maybe it's because of a divorce or a breakup, or maybe it's because of a kiddo, and you're just struggling to keep your head above water. And what this old judge, unqualified preacher, would say to you is this. You are not alone. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is still in the business of standing beside us when we feel like we're all alone.
I want you to know that sometimes we go through those fiery furnaces and it makes us a better person. And sometimes we go through those fires and our hair gets scorched just a little bit. And sometimes we go through those fires and go, I ain't never walking through that fire again. Amen? Am I right? Anybody been there with that? That's where I'm at. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a wonderful example of where we could be in our life with God. In just a moment, the chronology of what's about to happen, I want to lay out to you. And I went longer than 20 minutes, John, I'm sorry. But the great news is Charlie's next week, so we'll be back on time. I want to do something a little different today. And, John, I hope it's okay with you. I just feel like perhaps there's some folks here that are going through a fiery furnace. And in just a moment, wherever Stephen is at, I know we had a video planned. We're going to change things, and you'll fix it later. But I'd like the worship team to come back and play. And then I'd, I'd like to ask our other elder that is here today, John, and his wife, and my wife, Jill, and we'll come stand on each side. And maybe could we just stand together and sing a song? And really the invitation is this. If you're here today and you feel like you're walking through a fiery furnace or you have a friend that is and you'd just like somebody to pray with you and for you, then you need to know that you can come up and that's okay. And if you're here today and maybe you're not comfortable with coming up, maybe later you could grab one of the elders and just say, hey, pray for me. I'm walking through the furnace or you have your your cards. You can write on your card, hey, I'm walking through a furnace. Will you pray for me right now? And you need to know that we'll pray for you. Sometimes we get so anxious to get out the back door to leave church that we forget to pause and realize that there are people in here that are hurting. And we just need to take a few. Can we do that? I know we've changed the order up completely, but it's my last Sunday. And I think it's the right thing to do. So I'll pray. Stephen will lead us. John and Julie, if you would, and Jill, wherever you're at, if you would come join me. Father, I pray this morning. For anyone that's here, maybe that's walking through a fiery furnace, God, that you would let them know that you love them and that you are there for them and that they are not all alone. God, I thank you for the friends that are standing up here with us today. Help those that are here for the first time and those that attend regularly to know that what they share with us is confidential and that we're just praying for them and lifting them up. Lord, we love you. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us and let's sing. And if you'd like an elder to pray with you or their wife, you come forward at this time.